Welcome to Inside Creativity. I'm your host, Savi Ma. This is part one of my two-part interview conversation with atmospheric instrumental music creator-composer Mike Barden as I minus I. Enjoy the show. We're listening to Emergence by Mike Barden as I minus I. Inside Creativity with Savi Ma, a podcast journey into the art of limitless expression and exploring the creative force, is a part of the Loving Awareness Podcast Network, a co-creative collection of high-vibe, consciousness-raising podcasts that serve to awaken and elevate our human spirit as we come home to our source nature within. Inside Creativity and all Loving Awareness Podcast Network shows can be found at lovingawareness.org slash podcast, as well as on all the major streaming platforms. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share us excitedly with your friends. Welcome to Inside Creativity. I'm Savi Ma. This is a podcast journey about limitless expression and creative force. We're in for a stellar episode with an incredibly gifted, amazing guest. But before I introduce him, I want to take a moment to set the foundation for the conversation that we're about to launch into. Just what is creativity? Many of us wonder if it's something we even have at all, or if we do have it, We feel like it's fleeting. It comes in fits and spurts, and sometimes we tap into it if we're engaged in an act of doing that we consider to be artsy in some way. I talk with so many people in my work as a loving awareness intuitive guide that tell me that they don't have a creative bone in their bodies. Well, we've been conditioned to see creativity through a very narrow lens, and we don't often pause to consider if we're alive, And if you're listening to this now, I assure you, we all are. If we're alive, then we are creativity, animating and expressing into form. Now that's a concept worth exploring. What if just by breathing, we're actually creating? What if absolutely everything we think, do, and be is an expression of creativity coming into being? And what if by recognizing this, that creativity truly is an energy force, that inspires everything into being, that we could tap into a field of self-empowered awesomeness from within that knows no limits to what can be created. That's the energy that birthed the idea for this show, Inside Creativity. I'm interested in exploring beyond where people usually stop when they talk about creativity. I wanna talk about creativity as life force, as an energy that inspired greatness into being. In this episode, I am so honored to be hosting atmospheric instrumentalist, music creator, composer, Mike Barden. He's the perfect guest to show us the bridge to an expanded awareness within the realms of creativity because he's experiencing it firsthand. He's super gifted musically. His technical musicianship is off the charts. 
He studied music theory and jazz piano, and he went on to get his master's degree in composition. He records and produces his own and other musicians' music. He's played with many well-known bands and has worked with some legendary greats. For Mike's full professional bio, website, music platforms, and social links, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode on lovingawareness.org. Mike is currently recording under the auspiciously fitting artist name, I-I. Curious, right? We'll dive deep with Mike to explore beyond the surface realm of creativity, as many relate with it, to the magical realms of creativity as energy that lies within us all. We'll ask him about what he refers to as the stream of consciousness creativity. We'll ask how he arrived at this new awareness and creative experience and about the journey that led him here. And as a bonus treat, we've even got a musical experience to share with you. We'll witness what happens in real time. Well, wait, what I mean to say is real timelessness. <laughs> when Mike enters into the space where this magic happens. Now let's get on with the journey as we extend a warm inside creativity welcome to Mike Barden, creating music as I minus I. Ever since interviewing you last November, Mike, I couldn't wait to continue the conversation. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to talk with you again, too. That was, that was really fun that first time, and I was really happy that you asked me to come back. That's awesome. It was really fun. And I'm really glad to have the opportunity to take this deeper dive. I felt like we just scratched the surface of all the fun stuff <laughs> on that show. And I'm super curious to um, talk further, to learn more. So first, what I'd really like to do is just give our listeners a little prequel of sorts. So before the story, the story before the story, um, tell us about Mike Barden as a music artist and composer leading up to just before pandemic times when just about everything changed for just about everyone. Hmm. Um, that's a pretty long story, <laughs> um, but I'll try to make it as succinct as I can. But um, I grew up um, in northern Wisconsin, and I just immediately had an interest in music um, that just kind of grabbed my attention from an early age where to the point where I just wasn't interested in that much else. Um, so, um, my parents recognized that I should get some piano lessons. So they got me into that. And so started up with that right away and studied music all the way through school, um, playing mostly piano and, uh, learned guitar along the way. Um, but I always had kind of like an interest in production and how music works and the inner workings of music and all that. So when I got into college, I did study music theory. And so that's where I got more into um, composition. But I kept playing. So it helped me learn the nuts and bolts of what makes music work. So I learned a lot of that. Um, but then I also got kind of drafted into a jazz piano program, which I was happy too. I just didn't have any experience with that, but that was really good too, because that's also the beginnings of improvisation. So I was already stretching in all the different directions, the more formal side and the more, um, I guess, you know, intuitive side as well. I did, um, yeah, I did get, end up getting a master's degree in composition. Then my life kind of took a different turn. Um, I was married at the time, and I was uh, me and my um, then wife. We had an interest in 
um, Christian ministry. So we kind of kind of dropped everything and went in that direction for years, for a long time. And so got involved with, um, you know, with, with studying, you know, studying theology and all that kind of stuff, but also then getting hired at a church in uh, Wapaka, which is where I live now. Oh, wow. I didn't know this part of your story. Yeah. So that was, that actually takes us back to like the mid to late, mid to late nineties. So that's why I'm still here, but there's this kind of a story behind that as well. But anyway, so that, that went on for years and, um, then ended in about 2008. So that's kind of, that's the direction in which I was using my, my music, musical gifts. I guess I, I did maybe inherently want to connect my musicality to something like what I consider to be, you know, at a higher plane or something of a, maybe a, a higher calling, that kind of thing, maybe a deeper purpose, deeper meaning, that kind of thing. So I had that sense also for a long time as well. Then just kind of like the that whole connection with that whole spiritual paradigm kind of fizzled over time as well. And so I became more and more disconnected from that. And um, and then just sort of became a lot more secularized in my playing. And so I'd start playing with bands. And there's some like some rock bands out in the Fox Valley that I'd start to play with. Um, just doing different things. But I would also teach lessons, um, just play whatever gigs I could as a musician did that for a long time so you know just the jack of all trades i do whatever and i had even built my recording studio over 20 years ago and so that's when i started re- learning how to do that and recording other artists and so it's just a really a wide variety of things but trying to bring us up to i guess the the biggest thing in the last few years is i started playing with this uh, the band called boogie and the yo-yos which is the the big cover bands here in the state and that's an incredibly busy band it takes very time consuming and a lot of travel and all that but so in that case I was really focused a lot more on just playing so you played with the band full time then when you were this is pre-pandemic times you traveled wherever they were doing gigs you went yeah I was although you know we all actually still have full-time jobs mm-hmm. okay yeah it's not like we're all on the road full-time but it is kind of like having a full-time job on top of having a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I was sort of getting accustomed to that lifestyle. And then when the pandemic hit, then just, you know, the bottom dropped out. Okay. And so that's when a lot of stuff changed. So let's pause there. Let's not leave the prequel quite yet. We'll, we'll get into the big changes, um, the bigger changes. I mean, there's changes in life all along, right? But let, let's go back um, just a little bit because I'm curious. You know, y- when you started the story, you said you were at a very young age and you just had this interest toward music. Do you remember something that really piqued that? Was Were your parents really musical? Like, what was it in your life that... You were seven when you started playing music, right? Did I read that? So what was it at that time that brought music forward in the way that it did? <laughs> I was adopted, and the story goes, and, like, I wasn't there, you know, I, when I was there, but I don't remember it. But the story that I was told growing up was that, you know, at the adoption agency, they said to my adoptive parents, 
were like modest, you know, moderately musical, like singing church choir kind of musical, you know, but not intensely focused on music. They were told by the adoption agency, you know, back in the days where they didn't give you any information about the kid's background, um, that if he shows an interest in music, you should encourage that. It's very cryptic and very, you know, <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, to their credit, they, you know, they, they kind of took that seriously. And so, and so I did, so they did get a, an old junkie piano, a terrible piano, but like, you know, flowing thrown from a junkyard. It's still at my dad's house to this day. It's just this terrible piano, but they, you know, they got something in the house that I could play on. And I, you know, I was immediately trying to figure out, and I think I remember even like looking at music and coming up with my own idea of what all those dots on the page meant, you know, that wasn't right. But like, I, I was already trying to figure that stuff out and play things. And so that's when they got me into lessons. So that's a, that's amazing. I mean, that, that literally, there aren't very many kids that I know or people that I know that would say that story where they, they had that curiosity to figure out what the music on the page even meant you know, how to make something of that. Most kids sort of don't even want to look at the music on the page. They want to know how to play, but they don't want to go through what it takes to read the music on the page. And so I think that that's an amazing quality. Do you know if, did the agency just say that to your parents because that's just something to make a parent who's adopting a child excited? What do you think it was in your case? You know, I I really, it's kind of a mystery to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it was just a thing that they were just telling them. Uh, but the interesting thing is about a year ago, I finally met my birth mother. Okay. Yeah. Then, so that was really unusual that that even happened. It was through those genetics websites that one person contacted another and another and another. And so turns out she lives in uh, East. So I've met her a couple of times and we've communicated and talked about stuff. So I've had an opportunity to ask her, you know, cause I was in my mind, I was kind of like, well, does this mean like, <laughs> you know, some famous musician was traveling through the country and you know, got some young girl pregnant, you know, who knows. And um, it wasn't really quite like that. But, you know, and, and it also wasn't like this, you know, imagined fantasy that I had. It was just that she was interested in music and she is creative and she does have that sensibility. So I have no idea, like, how that got passed on. So I did find out there was at least some legitimacy to that you know yeah that's so cool isn't that I mean that's like reclaiming a part of yourself so at seven when you did notice your own musical interest because your parents did go get you this junky piano which was really nice of them like was there a part of you at seven you're looking at these notes on the page you had that awareness did you know the connection between music and creativity at such a young age or did you just think well I like music did you say I'm being creative. I'm using creativity when I make music. Do you think that that was a part of you that young as well? I probably not. Mm -hmm. I, I think I was just, I was more like, I wasn't um, really even thinking about making music that, that early. I was just more interested in listening and, and I would start to hear like even the pop songs, you know, on the radio or, you know, <laughs> like the, the Lawrence Welk show that would be on the TV. Yeah. You know, just anything or like, you know, I had this weird mix of, you know, there was that kind of stuff that, you know, that old school corny stuff that I grew up with. But also at the same time, you know, I was drove this bus, this like this, you know, hippie teenager was 
driving the bus, <laughs> like putting these hard rock, like eight track tapes. So I'd also be listening to Kiss and, you know, and Van Halen and Queen in Boston at the same time. So I really, you know, even though I was a little bit isolated geographically, I had a lot of different things. And, and all that stuff was just so interesting to me. And like, I just, I wanted to figure out, I wanted to like learn how to make that, even though I didn't really have the tools and, you know, school band and piano lessons, you know, so like yeah. my imagination for wanting to interact with those kinds of sounds was just far beyond what was available to me. So when, when in your growing up years, do you think that it hit you like the concept of creativity, not what it is to you now, but what it would have been then? I think probably for me, I have a I have a different relationship with piano than I do with guitar, which is interesting, because I was formally trained on piano, and so, but guitar I did take some lessons, but I've kind of more self-taught on guitar, and so I think guitar like to, even to this day, I'm like not anywhere near as good on guitar as I am on piano, just because I don't have the training, don't have the experience, don't even have necessarily the aptitude for it but I can you know I can play competently mm -hmm. <laughs> guitar um, <laughs> but the interesting thing though is like that that was an instrument that I feel felt like I wanted to like make up my own music on and try new things and of course like you know once Eddie Van Halen kind of you know came out he kind of blew everybody's minds and then like also you know I heard him doing this super creative stuff like that was just like you know blind mind-blowing for like every guitar player that was listening at that time and so that kind of made me want to start to doing that so I didn't really I, I don't think I really started writing a whole lot of music um, however I before I even got to music school I did take one year of college at a, at a community college where I was just taking general classes and even there they didn't really have a music or arts program but I still managed to connect with the theater department and then there was a guy that asked me if I'd write some music. Yeah, so even that time, I, I wrote some instrumental music that was used, like, in a light show, you know, like a recording, and I had, like, a four-track recorder back then. And so that was, that might have been a first real tool, you know, right. for, because that was, like, an early way you could play with multi-track um, stuff. So I would, you know, like how Brian May of Queen would, like, overdub his guitar lots of different times you know, to create these thicker harmonies. Well, I've kind of used the four track to do that too. And, and then I just found ways and I got, I eventually saved up and got a, a rolling synthesizer and just started putting it. So that's like, I think maybe the beginning. So that would have been like early eighties. Okay. And you would have been how old? High school, did you say? Um, just out of high school. So maybe like, you know, 20 ish. Yeah. Cool. I just think that it's fascinating, you know, when you're having a conversation about creativity to be able to like look back over the scope, the landscape of our lives and to be able to say there were some really pointed influences that I think sort of really like brought my awareness higher, you know, started making me realize like how deeply this is active in me and where it might take me. Let's come into the current story a little bit, current meaning a year ago when pandemic times hit. And everything starts to shift. What was going on 
at the beginning of 2020 for you? Because I know that what you're creating music-wise right now, and we're going to get to that so that the listeners can really start to have a deeper understanding, but I feel like it was important for us to sort of pave this foundation. And for everyone listening, you have to understand, you need to go check out Mike's music beyond what we're talking about tonight. He has been literally creating music since the age of seven. He is so accomplished. When he tells you that he didn't have formal training in guitar and he says he can hold his own, he's being very modest. <laughs> I've seen some of what this man is capable of. And this is not some just, you know, average musician. Mike's being very modest and um, he's amazing, stellar. Check his music out. Show notes has his, has his website, his YouTube link, all of that good stuff. But so, Mike, bring us back just for a little bit to that 2020 time. Gosh, I think maybe even before I say that, I, I, what I didn't mention before is that I was always interested in recording, and I started recording music like in the mid '90s. So I, uh, my first recording, I, there were pretty much all piano recordings, because that's just what I knew. Um, so my first recording was an album of Christmas music. And a lot of the people that know me, that have known me that long, they have like, still have cassettes. I might still have one <laughs> here laying around, like cassettes <laughs> of like my first, you know, Christmas recording. But like, I really liked that, you know, I, I liked, and also even on that, even on that recording, I was doing all my own arrangements of the Christmas, you know, uh, Christmas carols, basically. Um, but I did a whole lot of improvisation even then, you know. So, like, I, I just always felt like that was a thing that I that I liked to do and also to capture it. Right. So you have a naturalness for it, and you recognized that early on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, even, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back a little bit further. There was... <laughs> I'm going to go back to my house growing up again. There was this, this guy, I don't even know who he was, but he, my parents invited this guy to the house and he played the piano. And they said, oh, here's a guy that plays the piano. Let's show Mike this guy that plays the piano. And so he came down you know, on that piano and he like played a bunch of stuff. And But he was kind of going off the rails. He was doing all this Im- improvisatory stuff. And I was, even at that age, I was like, what do you, you know, that's, you know, what are you doing there? And so like he even back then he like explained. So like, well, you know, here's like the outline of what a chord would be, but here's all the things that you can do around that. And so like I had a guy showing me that, you know, that early and it was really, really interesting to me. Like, whoa, that's awesome that you can take like a little, you know, format and then scribble all around that, you know? So I feel like there's these like charmed moments, right? We all have those in our lives where, like, call it whatever you want. You know, there's all different words and ways that we can approach that. But there are definite, like, synchronicities and serendipities. Here's a seed, here's a seed, here's a seed. And then gradually our becoming just really, like, grows and unfolds. Those are seeds in your development. Totally, yeah. And so, like, I, I guess I wanted to recover those couple of things because, I mean, it, it just speaks to the point that this was something I've always been interested in. So the recording side of it, the improvising side of it, and the production side of it, the re, you know, the um, just the, the shaping of the tones and the blending of sounds and, and all that stuff is always interesting to me. So, yeah, 
last year, things were going really huge with the band. So in fact, we had just we had just taken a trip to Mexico just before it all hit. So like we had this big band trip and the fans were there and we were at those <laughs> all inclusives, you know, for a week and it was this great time and it was literally like just before. So thankfully we none of us were even thinking about that, you know, before we got back. But that that was just like the band was going, you know, strong. So when we're saying just before, was that January or February? Four. Yeah, like maybe like the last week of February. Okay, because we're recording this. Today is um, March 11th, and literally a year ago, like we were within days of Wisconsin being locked down. Other places were already in process. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Okay. So we kind of mm-hmm. came off this big, you know, you know, big fabulous, you know, party vacation thing, you know, and then and then it all hit. And so obviously for everybody, you know, the gigs pretty much, you know, screeched to a halt and I was still had my job, thankfully. Um, and, but then also what happened was my college age son who was supposed to be graduating right at that time. Um, he also, it was his last semester anyway, and they were all going virtual. So he decided to live with me at the end of his, so it was just me and him here. Uh, this time last year and so he's also interested in music and also interested in recording and so since there was like nothing to do I'm like you know being in the studio is something I kind of always wanted to do anyway you know in a way like I kind of would like to just do that and nothing else you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. as you know hermit like as that sounds but I just really so to me, it was kind of like, okay, you know what, this is, you know, you've been saying all these years, you don't really have all the time that you'd like to be able to do that. Well, now you do. So I retreated to the studio and it started just like, like a lot of other musicians, they were just like making little video clips that they could show online, you know, that everybody, everybody's kind of doing that. And so I started doing that. And, and, um, and also my son, like, you know, I'm in this room here that you can see, but like right over there, there's a smaller room and he, my son would set up his stuff and it was very common for me, like be working on my music in here and he'd be working on his music in there. And and that was our, that's what we did. Like at some point I thought, you know, what if I just like sat at the piano and just made something up? Like no planning, you know, like why not? You know, it's something I had never really done before, but then actually just video it and actually just put it out there. Which takes a lot of bravery. I mean, it kind of does. It kind of takes a different level of bravery and courage because there's a vulnerability attached to that, especially somebody like you when you're an accomplished musician and you've been like, you practice, you know, you get everything exactly how you want it. So this requires a whole different level of allowing. It's, yeah, it's it's very true. Very true. And that's something we could probably get on later is just the... Right. Uh, Creativity itself is like a process of yeah, we will. vulnerability. <laughs> it's so vulnerable, we can't even say the word. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. And so, but, but I put it out there and, and people really liked it. They're like, whoa, that's really cool. So I thought, well, if you liked it one time, maybe you'd like it, I know, another time. <laughs> and so then I kept on doing that. And this is one for months, but I was also starting to like add little pieces to that and then I would just kind of keep developing those recordings and then I was doing other things then I would try something else and then that's when at the end of the summer 
I'm like, you know, I got enough stuff here. I can make an album. And so I did. It's an album I called uh, Transformo, which you probably saw in my material. Mm -hmm. So, And I just went whole hog with the whole thing. I just decided I had never done this before. So I just decided to, you know, like hire, a, you know, like a really good mastering engineer and, you know, and make vinyl and all this other stuff. And so I'm happy I did that. But it was really it was really just a collection of music that was never intended to really go together, but I just decided to make it go together. But, but it's kind of like the process to me, you know, the name of the album was Transforma. And that to me, that was my way of kind of expressing the, the sort of the, uh, the process of what was happening during that time for all of us, you know, it was like a, it was like a global experience, you know, of this, for better or for worse, you know, every there was a transformation going on. And and there still is. It, there still is, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And and I am of the mindset that like even when things are like horrible in terms of their circumstances, that there's good things that comes you know, that come out of that because it, you know, tends to burn off some things and kill off some things, you know, and then allow other areas to develop and, and grow. And that's, so that's what kind of what I was feeling like within myself at the time. Um, and also, you know, it was that I just felt it was a, a, a snapshot in time of like, this is what we were all going through in 2020. Also at the same time, and this is sort of, you know, going to get us to like the, you know, some of the bigger moments is like also, you know, my son left and uh, I had also been through a breakup, you know, that took some time. And so I was really at a very, very kind of like just very alone kind of place. I was doing all this stuff, but at the same time, I was really, really processing, you know, this like a real hard, um, difficult personal place. Yeah, for sure. Same time too. And so I think 2020, you know, yeah, it was pandemic. Yeah, it is pandemic, you know, proportions, whoa, like huge. Um, I really feel like, well, this is always the case in all of life. There's always more at work than what meets the eye. And I feel like 2020 was like, if there was a theme word for it, there's like, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to look more closely. It's an invitation to say, what is going on in my world? What is going on in the world? Is this what I wanted to create? Or is it just by momentum, like a train that can't stop fast enough, just what snowballed into existence? And I, I, I want to reflect. I want to take some time. So it was like a huge invitation to press pause and just look and just reassess and let go of what isn't serving. You know, your story, Mike, my gosh, I, I talk with so many people in the work that I do. This year was that way for pretty much everyone. Huge monumental things came crashing down, kept 
you know, falling apart or opening up and making way. And you said, you know, a few minutes ago, like that's what transforming is. That's what transformation is. Transformation doesn't happen if something else doesn't fall away first. That's what the, that's what the cycle or the spiral is all about, right? Birth can't happen if something else doesn't die and make way for the new beginning. I, it's what it is. But boy, 2020 has just been like, has it's it's 2021 who knows that i don't you know we're still in this frame this expanded frame of transformation yeah totally yeah yeah so um gosh i don't know where you want to go from here what's next <laughs> well let's let's find our way into i minus i yeah let's let's go there so you're you're in this journey you're in this process you're creating this music you're just going with it sounds like you're just, you had really no, you didn't set out to say, I'm going to create a different kind of music. This is what color it's going to have. This is what it's going to feel like. You just allowed a different process to unfold. And it sort of sounds like you're in the process and all the moments that you're in the process, you're learning as you go. And it's sort of revealing itself to you. You didn't have an outcome in mind. You're just going with it. And so when was it that this artist name, this creating under, you know, music under this name, I minus I, when did that pop in? How did it pop in? And take us through what that means. I love it. You know, I love it. I get it. But for our listeners sake, I want you to take them there. Sure. Yeah. I, gosh. So I, um, like I said, I had, you know, been through a, a long period of time. I've always kind of been, like, like I said before, I've always kind of been a seeker. I've been interested in in things of a, a spiritual nature, but also things of like a, what I would call like a meaningful nature and like purpose and things like that. So that's always been interesting to me. And I've always felt like that's what I wanted to do. Um, but in the way that had kind of spun out earlier in my life, I had really kind of, kind of, I'm not, not given up on it, but just kind of like was really not bothering to try to figure that out any longer. So part of what I was going through just in terms of my aloneness, I mean, really, I don't really watch TV, network TV, cable TV, like any of that stuff. I'm just, I'm just annoyed by all of it pretty much. And so like, the thing that I was spending time watching was like more like YouTube stuff because I can choose what I want to watch and follow what I'm interested in. And so I did sort of lean into some of the, you know, some of the people that talk about, you know, life and like I was following like uh, like Russell Brand's show, you know, he says some cool stuff. And, he does. And he even said, I think, some stuff like that was relevant to breakups you know, which was what I was going through. And so I thought he had some interesting things today. And and then like, there was this one time, um, he just had this guest and it was Muji and that's, you know, you know who that is. So I do. Yeah. That's how I met Muji. So he was just a guest on Russell Brand's show. Which I thought was phenomenal. I caught that episode too. Yeah. I thought that, I'm like, oh my God, Russell Brand has Muji on. <laughs> like I was like two worlds, you know, Jeez. So. <laughs> exactly. But I didn't even know, you know, who he was from Adam, you know, this, yeah. this, this other guy. And, but I just listened to him and, um, and he just has, uh, and even Russell explained this is like, he just has a very simple thing that he says and a very simple, um, I guess, observational 
practice that he leads people through to right. help them identify. Do you know what I love? I love the idea that Russell Brand and you and I we're just all on YouTube. <laughs> we're just all like, you know, the seeker part of us and want something good and enriching and elevating to watch. And Russell lands on Muji and says, I like this guy. He's got a really cool, simple approach. Like it's not all bent up in, you know, you don't have to subscribe to a particular dogma or faith. And it's not about that. And he's just easy. And and you're doing the same thing. You're you're finding finding Russell, who's finding Muji. I love stuff like that. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And it just it ended up being um, this the short version of like basically what he says is just like get get to a place and let's just like everything that you associate with yourself, like your his, your history, your experiences, your your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your plans, you know, all these different things. Like, what if we just drop all that? like everything and so there's really nothing left of you anymore that you would associate with and he takes people through this process and so I kind of followed along with that and I thought about it and he said like what's left you know and that's a great question and and so he said what's left is really that which is untouchable that's it's that which is um, timeless that's always there it was there like and, you know, it was there when you were born. It's going to be there when you die. It's there right now. Um, and it doesn't doesn't judge. It's not anxious about the future. It doesn't it doesn't, uh, you know, have plans or concerns. It just observes. It's just there. It's ever present. And that's you. And so so that was and like it, it made sense to me like it's. Like I said, it, it wasn't like you said, it's not like this thing that you have to subscribe to. It's just something that seemed like, yeah, that makes sense. So there's like a, one sense in which you live your day to day life um, in that moment. But there's also another sense in which you're sort of watching yourself do it at the same time. You know, and the watcher is the thing that doesn't change. And it's like you acting out day after day and daily dramas and ups and downs and all that kind of stuff. That's the transient part, and but the part of you that's watching at the same time is really never changing, and so in a way you get to like observe your whole life and like for some reason that that all by itself becomes like a whole different way of understanding the way that you live. It totally does. I love how you 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 say that. Um, well, you've said it in interview that we previously did it's in some of your writings online how this name for you i minus i it yes it it represents the music and the way that you're creating but really it represents a way of life yeah and so that's that i had never taken on like a you know like an artist uh you know pseudonym before but i i just i think because of all that i had been through and and plus, I'm like, I've worn so many hats over the years. Like, I'm kind of that guy, and I'm that guy, and I'm that guy, and I'm that guy. Like, I really, I wanted to start with something, like, that was just new. But it would be very, very definitive and expressive of who I am and, you know, where my head is at right now. And also in terms of the way the music plays out. And I just felt like all that after all the experience of the summer and making that transform it album and all that stuff, 
Um, the idea that, so like I minus I's is really, it's a little hard to explain. I mean, I know what it means. You're doing a great job, I think. I mean, that's, to me, that's the beauty of a concept like this. Yeah. Is that when you describe it in the way that you are, the way that Muji does, the way that we can turn it into our own words and say, I, I get, I get this. I get that there's a part of me that is ever present. That's never gone. No matter whether I'm in this body or not, it, it, the part of me that is ever present existed before I got here and it will exist long after this person of me is gone. And what I find about that and, and these sorts of feelings and teachings and impressions have been coming through for me since I was a small child. My dad passed away when I was 10. And so I ha I've ever since had like these impressions and knowings and feelings come through for me that reminded me of who I really am. So that's the way it expresses through me is I know who I am. I know who I really am, who and what I really am beyond the context of identity and experience and, you know, the traumas and the dramas of my human experience and somehow for me, that's so comforting. It's so comforting. You know, it's like a safe harbor to recognize that whatever's happening in life, the presence of my beingness is real and true and everlasting, always with me, never going to judge me. I'm never broken. Therefore, I don't need fixing because I'm good. You know, just... I think it's a really like we could go on and on and on of like sort of like bouncing around and basking in the nature of that concept. And the cool part about it is it's really not hard to understand. Uh, that's that's what I think what what I liked about it. Mm -hmm. And even like Moji said, it's not something that requires your imagination. Right. I love that. I love that so much. That's something you have to like mentally like you know, a hold up like, <laughs> and the reason for that is because as soon as you allow yourself to like, just digest the words, I am presence. That part of me that is presence is forever is always like, you don't have to imagine it because there's something cellular that just happens. It's like something comes online and we just know it. And from that place of knowing, that's where, for me, that place of comfort sort of kicks in. And then from that place of comfort, that's where we can allow more vulnerability and, you know, we can allow ourselves to express more freely in that framework of creativity because we're not worried if something is going to go wrong. We're not going to judge it. We don't care if somebody else judges it. It just is. Yeah, that, that exactly is. So not only was that significant to me personally because it did help with my whole uh, like emotional mindset of the time. And despite all the, the really crummy things I was feeling and going through, it like gave me a new way to process that, that actually yeah. ended up making me just feel generally way better. Um, and so that was all good. Now the, the interesting, other interesting thing though, time, timing wise is that also because I was, working only in the studio and like not doing live music and realizing like how much music now is has to be processed online I became like more interested than ever in online distribution and marketing and things like that and so through that process I did come across a guy his name is Adam Ivy and he lives in Orlando now um, he is a music marketing specialist actually originally from Wausau, so he's a Wisconsin guy. Oh, that's cool. 
but he like he that's his whole thing is music marketing you know in the online space and so i made the decision to work with him like on a one-on-one and that started maybe like two weeks before you know you and i had that interview in november so i was just starting that process right now so for three months three plus months i've been you know building that up but part of part of working with him was the cool thing was like i I had already come up with the i minus i idea but like you know as as you know like if you know with any experience in marketing or business you know you're building a brand so it's important to define what the brand is and all that stuff and that was always hard for me because i just always felt like well i just do like everything (laughs) you know really but um but i had i had conceived of the idea of i minus i i'm like i think that would be a cool artist name and just like leave it at that so i had come up with that before i met him but he was really good at helping me kind of sort that out so it kind of laid that out but him through his marketing kind of mindset helped define that and refine it and and so it was going to be a thing where it was going to be focused on the, the music that i create but also my approach to music my ideas on life and creativity and spirituality and the nature and and things that I do cover in my, like in my, you know, my Instagram captions and things like that. I I just like talking about that stuff. So that's so cool. So by way of talking with Adam, that's sort of how you got to be like, well, yeah, this is about more than my music. Cause I love, so everybody listening, you have to check out Mike's YouTube channel. The first thing you do when you go to his channel, please subscribe. Because the more subscribers we all get on YouTube, the more we come up in the searches and Mike's work deserves to be coming up. So let's all agree, all of us that are here collectively listening and this podcast is going to go out on and on and on. Everybody listening, please subscribe to Mike's channel. It's super cool because you've got your music there, but you've got these other videos that I really appreciate as a person who's into similar things, as a person who also plays music, but is really just into the idea of creativity, love other people's creative process. You did a video recently where, and I hope you're going to continue the series. You said it was the first in a series where you, you like dug into, oh my God, that was so cool. That's like legit. It should be on Netflix. Like that was really good. It's, it's an episode where you like go into the creative process of David Bowie. Right. That was so cool. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. That was, that was really cool. And the other thing that's awesome about your videos is you always ask, and there aren't enough people there to get into conversation with you, but you are waiting for that, and it is going to happen. You always ask a question underneath the video. What else, what do you feel when you listen to this? This is my brand. So, like, this is, it's, like, it's this kind of music. I make instrumental music. It tends to be a little bit more on the relaxed and peaceful side, also atmospheric. That just, that's what I feel when nobody's telling me what to do or, you know, saying, make it like this, make it like that. And I just make what I feel like that's the music that comes out. So that's, that's also another thing too. I'm not really trying to, you know, meet up to somebody's idea of, you know, again, what you're pointing to there for me is the, the difference between if your person self was really trying to say, I want to fit into this container and I want to create it like this because this is what's going to be popular, but you're allowing your present self to have a say. And your present self is like, okay, look, we're just here. 
We're just in the state of allowing. This is what that feeling and sort of translating that through the scope of what's shifting, changing, and transforming in your life. I feel like that's what's coming through in the music and the uh, what the, the flavor, the color of the music, you know, being that it is more ambiance or ambient and atmospheric. I, I'm actually hoping that, I mean, I can't do that. That's just me. I'm not, I can't like impose a hope on your music, but I'm hoping that more of that happens, you know, that it goes even more like that. That's just my hope though. You do you. <laughs> Interesting. So when I, when I started off with Adam, I was just in a place because I wanted to make a lot of music. So I made like probably seven, seven, my first seven tracks I made probably in two or three weeks. I did them really fast. But it was also me just like finding my finding my way of how I do that and like what's my sound anyway, you know. So the only way to do that is just, you know, that's like another thing too. Like as a side note here, like um, one thing about, gosh, it's it is related to, like ego, the absence of the necessary of setting aside the ego is pretty, pretty big deal in this thing because the ego is where all the, the you know the fear of judgment and, and um, and the feeling like you have to measure up and all that stuff, you know comes from the ego. So the I minus I minus I is essentially saying you know setting that aside, and just not worrying about all that stuff and and just coming up with what comes out, and so. The only way that you get better or improve or like develop is to just by, you know, making and making and making and making and making and making. Like that's that's one of the other big lessons that I've learned. And you just have to put it out there. You know, I mean, you just have to. You can't like wait until, you know, it's the right one. That is such a huge thing, Mike. That's so huge because so many of us, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have that happen. Like I create so much, the creative flow for me is so huge. So there's constantly stuff being created, but I don't necessarily put it out there because I'm like, well, I don't have time to stop to put it out there. That's a story I tell myself. I don't have time to put it out there because there's all this new stuff coming in. When I listen to that, I'm like, that's so ridiculous. Just put it out there. And I see what you're doing. I see you know, literally you sit down now, granted, you have the level of skill that you have to allow this to happen in this way. But it comes, I mean, what comes through me, not musically, mine comes through maybe in messages and, um, well, there is a form of music that comes through, but why not just put it out there? Because it's, otherwise we're stunting the flow, aren't we? There's no way that we're not giving gratitude to the flow that comes in if we're not allowing that flow to just continue. Somewhere in my notes, there is, um, you say something like, and it's in one of your improvisational pieces that you just play, you just, it's just pure, you don't change or edit any notes, you maybe add some ambient pads or something like that underneath it, but nothing really changes. And in your notes, you said, um, I just like to create, see, I'm not, I can't quote you exactly. So it's something like this. I just like to create a musical moment. And once I do that, I share it out there. And I really do want to know what you think, because once it leaves me, it's not mine anymore. It's yours. Yeah. It's what I mean, wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, I have such a terrible memory that I don't remember what I did. You know what, though? So that's so I love that you said that, because that happens to me all the time. And it's not that you have a terrible memory. That is to me. I've been doing this kind of work, this whole stream of consciousness, like just allowing 
source, that's what I say, to flow through, that that's, to me, that's pure stream of consciousness because it's not mentally orchestrated. So it flows through. It is of you. You are the instrument. It is you. You're a cooperative component in allowing it to flow through. But you can't remember it because it wasn't thought about mentally in the brain. That's why that happens. Stuff will come through me and I'm, and people will be like, oh, I love that part where you said blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did I say that really? Because I didn't think of it, but I listened back as the listener. And it's isn't that amazing for you? Yeah, it is actually. And yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to listen to this conversation. <laughs> it's recorded. Like, did everyone say that? Yeah. But no, that's it's really true. And um and usually I'll listen back and, and I won't be like thoroughly embarrassed by it. I'll be like, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, that was like, it was a good thing. You can't be embarrassed by it. Oh my gosh. No, I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing and that you're showing that vulnerability is okay. It's actually a superpower. And, you know, to just be courageous and be bold. I mean, this is our one experience merged as presence in this person Maybe we have more experiences, but right now, right here, this is what we've got. So why not? Yeah, that's totally it. And it, it's like now that I'm, now that I'm doing it, like it's like that's kind of all I want to do, really. <laughs> yeah, and that reminds me of another. I'm just looking down at my notes here. There's another quote in one of your videos. I think this is in the. So this is in one of your speaking videos. I think it's the one that's um, reframing loneliness, and. There's two things. Well, literally, I took notes on that video, Mike. I did. Not because of this show, but because I was genuinely interested. I was like, he's saying some good gems right here. This is good. And the one, there were a couple things in that video that I really wanted to bring forward tonight as we're talking is one of your quotes is, aloneness is okay when you can live in the timeless perspective. I love that sentence. You know, you're saying that you're just you know, locked up in your studio and that's all you really want to do. And in that video, you were really expressing like how, what isolation has felt like, um, what that feels like for a lot of people. Everybody perceives that differently. And another, I love the little, you, you self-admittedly consider yourself or call yourself out on Facebook at the top of your personal page as an introvert. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, me too. I'm like an extroverted introvert. So for those, for you and I, these times have been a completely different experience than for somebody who's a full-on extrovert. It's literally painful for them having to be, for me, I'm like, oh my God, I love our sanctuary. I love my cave. Like I really secretly, I don't want everything to open up all different again. I don't because I kind of love it like this and it's precious to me. So part of that preciousness that I've discovered during this time, I always knew that, but this has confirmed it. In order for me to be authentic moving forward, I have to honor that. I have to build that into my life and not let things, you know, go to a place where I'm not in my preciousness, the, the presence of that preciousness. That's important to me. Yeah, really good point. It's like, uh, yeah, um, now that I've done this, like, can I really not do this again? Exactly. Totally. And the answer is you need to do what you're doing while it is aligned. And it's aligned right now, so you keep doing it because that's what feels best, you know? The other quote from that video is, I see creativity as the intersection between my timeless self and my temporary self, my present self and my person self. Yeah. 
that's I minus I. Yeah, it totally is. And do you, did you ever see that? Um, it was a new movie that came out not that long ago. It was an animated movie called uh, Soul. Did you? See? I loved that movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it, was, it just had some really interesting imagery in there. It was really pretty descriptive and cool. Mm-hmm. But like, do you remember the, the they they um, you know they talked about or showed the people who are supposedly in the zone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the spinning around um, the signs and stuff. Yeah, the, the, the hippie guy on the corner. That was like so, yeah. That's a good movie. Because this movie has this whole, you know, real world, like physical world plane and this whole other world plane. And these two things, you know, their interaction between the two and and the people that were in the zone were like the people that were kind of like in both places at the same time so they're right. goofy or you know crazy like in the regular world but it's because they were basically channeling and that's like that's another another thing that I guess I've been interested and fascinated with in terms of other musicians and artists that you know like I I always you know like I, I was big fan of like some great guitar improvisers i'm a big fan of guitars i'm not actually more of a fan of guitar than piano um as far as what i like to listen to so like say Jimi hendrix and stevie ray vaughn and you know these people that they would say like kind of like channeled you know right they just had this way of just you know channeling this this energy and like almost not even being aware of what they were doing but it just them being like a conduit of this music and i, I was always fascinated by that too and that's what this also is, you know, totally you don't have to be Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, to like experience that. In fact, every single person can do that. We all have access to that. So maybe we're not going to, you know, I'm not at all suggesting that tomorrow when I decide that this is real, what Mike and I are talking about, I can go grab a piano and I'll be able to sit down and do what he does. It will express through each of us, through our own uniqueness, through the gifts and talents that we have within our personhood to be able to express. But the feeling state of entering into that zone of creativity, that will express through every single one of us. And it's, it's intuition, it's consciousness, it's it's just presence, and it's honestly, it's more natural than anything else that we do in our lives. We just forgot. Yeah, I, I agree. And it also, it's, it's important, and I know you mentioned this before, it is, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the arts. Right. It doesn't, you know, I mean, we think of it as like music and art, as that's where creativity lives, but it's not true at all. Like in yeah. any, anything that you do. Literally breath Breath is creativity because by breathing ourselves alive, we don't think about it. We take our breath for granted. Maybe this last year with COVID, we're actually thinking about our breath a little more consciously, giving gratitude for the fact that we breathe these bodies alive. You know, but when we, like when we really recognize that we're all creative beings because we breathe, (laughs) literally breath is creation. Like we're breathing ourselves alive. Therefore, that is creating moment to moment, breath by breath. So then it takes pressure off. It takes pressure off of, oh, well, you know, in order to utilize my creativity, I have to do 
all of these things and take all of these classes. And yes, you can do that to support your creative gifts, but creativity just is. And it's just about allowing that flow. Dear listeners, thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Inside Creativity. I am your host, Savi Ma. We have been thoroughly enjoying this conversation with Mike Barden, who goes by the artist name I-I. Our conversation was so full that there was no way we could fit everything into one episode. So we're choosing this moment to take pause, to reflect, and when we return for episode two, which will be released very soon, you are just going to love what's coming next. He takes us even more deeply into this creative process. He takes us through his latest release, Emergence, which you are hearing at the beginning of this episode and at the end. And that musical treat that we promised you, that's coming up in episode two. So you want to be sure to return. Mike's got a lot more amazing goodness to share with us. This has been just a brilliant episode. Thank you so much for being with us again. This is Inside Creativity, and I'm your host, Savi Ma. Be well. We're listening to Emergence by Mike Barden as I minus I. Inside Creativity with Savi Ma, a podcast journey into the art of limitless expression and exploring the creative force, is a part of the Loving Awareness Podcast Network a co-creative collection of high-vibe, consciousness-raising podcasts that serve to awaken and elevate our human spirit as we come home to our source nature within. Inside Creativity and all Loving Awareness Podcast Network shows can be found at lovingawareness.org slash podcast, as well as on all the major streaming platforms. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share us excitedly with your friends.